Hello everyone and welcome to the Post Buzzer Podcast. I'm your host Brandon Dyer and on this May 5th episode I will be covering the Falcons NFL draft, the kind of picks that they got, and updated on the NBA playoffs that me and Chris Marshall were talking about last week and he'll be joining the show with us again today. And this is a reminder that the Student Spin Podcast is a sister media to the Six Mile Post newspaper at Georgia Highlands College in Rome, Georgia. The views in this podcast do not represent those of the Six Mile Post or Georgia Highlands College. Listen to us on SoundCloud or through the Six Mile Post website. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Post Buzzer Podcast. It's good, good to be here, man. Good to see you. <laughs> oh, now, over the weekend we had a lot happen with the NFL draft. Yeah. Well, first, we want to say congratulations to Georgia for having the most players yes, ever selected in a seven-round draft crazy. by a single college. Georgia definitely deserves it with this past year that they had in their college playoff wins. Then one of the championship, obviously. They they did it all this year in their defense. As if you look in the draft, which I'm pretty sure the majority of those players were, they went, they went off and they deserve it. And I think Falcons' like fan pages on Facebook were riddled with people just wanting – them to take every single Georgia player that was oh, yeah. available. Like, I mean, fa- the Falcons right now, like, I'm obviously no head management guy, no GM, no owner, no coach, but Falcons are in a really weird place right now. Because, like, yeah. you factor it back, I think it was like six years ago, they were one of the best teams in the NFL. Went to the right. Super Bowl. They went to the Super Bowl. Obviously, Tom Brady did his thing. 28 to 3, all those. <laughs> yeah. Games. All those memes. I like, so, like, and then they've kind of been in that media stayed for a while, especially while they had Julio Jones. Like, they were in that kind of mediocre spot. Good team, maybe make the playoffs, but not necessarily a championship caliber team. And then last year and the year before, they kind of went basically under. Like, they have horrible first half, and they tend to wind up picking it up in the second half. By that time, it's usually too far gone anyway. Right. Like they did, I think it was two seasons ago. Exactly. Where they wound up starting the season off like one and six. Yeah, and then they fired their coach and then they went like a seven-game win streak. Like, but at that point, you're basically too far gone and like it's already done. And now it's just like, well... What do we do? We don't so, have a good draft pick and we didn't make exactly. it. Exactly. So that's so now, the spot where the team wants to be. So now we're left at their draft picks, which uh, I've heard a lot of mixed reviews from a bunch of my friends, a bunch of guys that I know they are Falcons fans. Majority of them are basically saying the Falcons are gonna suck this year, which I could I could definitely see why and agree with. I do think they're gonna wind up being picking in the top five. Yeah. Like, and I think that's kind of by design. They're probably in rebuild mode to a certain degree, like based off draft wise. Like I know they got at least one first round pick uh, at number eight, which would be Drake London, wide receiver from USC. Right. Don't know much about him other than I do know he seemed to be a pretty good receiver, put a pretty good stats. But like with him, I wasn't big on the pick of him. Yeah, because I knew that was the first receiver taken in the draft. Yeah. And I, with so many receivers that were. In that first round, you had Jameson Williams, oh, yeah. Chris Olave from Ohio State. But the more I looked at London, the more I was like, well, I'm kind of glad we got him. Because those other guys that I was looking at, I never looked at their frame yeah. how big they were. And I seen that Olave was 5'11 and weighed under 200 pounds. And all like, that man's going to get injured. I guess I'm I'm in in NFL. I love me some taller receivers in the NFL. Like, cause I think back to some of like the all time greats. You got Calvin Johnson, six foot four, six foot five dude. Yeah. Snagging on everybody. One of the best in the re- league right now, DeAndre Hopkins, bigger dude, taller dude. Uh, 
Julio Jones, another one like for the Falcons that they had. Just great receivers, but they have that size, that stature, that height. Pretty much just you throw them a ball at a long haul and they're going to catch it nine times out of ten just because they have that height. They have that jumping ability. Right. And London, I think, can get that for you. And, like, he was one of those dual athletes in college where he played on the USC basketball. Exactly. So I, I think he, he could be a definitely, I won't say a game changer, but if he puts in the work, the Falcons work with him, Mariota gets some good throws to him because it'd be his rookie season, obviously, this year. Mariota finally coming back to a starting position, from my understanding. Uh, I think they'll be an interesting team. Obviously, I'm not. A, my hopes are kind of low for them right now this season. Yeah. But like I said, if they can get, let's say, six wins, maybe four, four to six wins, which is what I'm calling right now before season even starts. Yeah, I'll be happy. I'll be, I'll be happy. Yeah. Right, if we go to our round two pick, we got a uh, edge runner. We got Arnold Ibikiti. Excuse me if I pronounce the name wrong. Yeah, and that was a guy who. That's the guy that came out of. What was he out of Penn, Penn State? State? Penn State. I was thinking that. Yep. And. It's kind of a, a lot of people wanted to take Edge in the first round. Yeah. But I was like, hey, receiving why if we would have been able to keep Calvin and he wasn't on suspension this year, <laughs> I think we wouldn't have gotten Drake London. I would agree. But but I mean, looking at this guy, to me as an edge rusher, he seems a little little undersized. Like he's only six three. Like, don't get me wrong, six three is pretty tall compared to average, but he he's got some size and he's got some mass at two hundred fifty six. So he's probably more of a linebacker position is what I'd probably put him back, like a left outside linebacker, just coming off. Like I said, that obviously the edge, and he might he might be pretty good. If like I said, it just. Falcons never had the best defense. Like, even back in our glory days, we've never had good defense. It was all offense, just go, go, go. Yeah. Just try and outscore your opponent, basically. But we'll, we'll definitely see if he can help out our defense at least a little bit. Right. Then we got another linebacker coming at number 58. Like Troy Anderson. Anderson. Troy Anderson, Montana State. Yeah. Which I like looking at those small name guys. Because what I'll do is I'll see the Falcons like draft someone and then I'll immediately try and just like go to YouTube and search up their highlights. And that gets fast. Yeah, like, (laughs) I mean, we definitely, I'm kind of, I will say I'm kind of proud that they seem to have drafted a decent amount of defensive players this year. Yeah. Because, like I just said, pretty much every year that's our worst side. Like, obviously, there's two sides in basketball, excuse me, football especially, and you got the offense, which usually our offense is pretty good. Yeah. It's just our defense usually is kind of crap just for whatever reason, be a head coach or whatever. So, like, I I like that they're trying to get some guys on that defensive end, even though they're young and they still got to be developed, just to see what we can do on that defensive end. And then the third round pick was one that interested me most. With Desmond, Desmond, Riddler. Desmond Riddler. That's because that's Marcus be Mariota, he's a good quarterback. I don't know if he's an established starting quarterback. Yeah, that's see that's and I'm wondering if their plan with him is just gonna be sit behind Mariota for like a year or two, see how he does. Yeah, I think that's gonna be a little bit of an interesting thing. Like Mariota, like I said probably a few minutes ago, just find his way back in the starting rotation from my understanding after being basically backup QB. He came off he was drafted highly, great QB in college, drafted by the Titans, 
started, I think two seasons, two, three seasons there. Yeah. Did relatively well. Never had much core receiving group around him to really shine. But he's that's also not fully, fully where he shines. Like he's a mobile QB to like an extent. Like he needs plays and whatnot to develop around him. And that just didn't happen in the Titans at that time. Gotcha. I think with Ritter, he definitely could take some of that experience that just uh, Mariota has with that fact. Like, obviously, he's been in the league for a little bit. So, I think he, there's a chance that Ritter could be QB1 in the future. Maybe we trade Mariota away later on down the road. Maybe we just see where it goes. But I, I'd say there's definitely promise with that. It's a, it's a young guy. Seems like he, like just wants to win like he even said like he's not leaving the Falcons till he gets a Super Bowl yeah like obviously a lot of Falcons fans were happy to hear that but we don't know if that's gonna happen yeah but did you see where he sent a letter out to like NFL GMs of like teams that didn't draft him I did not see that no sir yeah he sent out a letter to them just basically telling them hey you guys made a mistake and not drafting me and all this and I mean it's cool I like coming in with a oh, chip on his shoulder I, I like that I mean I'm not gonna lie I do like that too like I think that you gotta have that respect and obviously he did it in a to a certain degree respectful way to be like hey y'all messed up I'm gonna be right there with y'all in a few years just going at it and then like if he puts in the work I mean he's got the he's got the potential for it definitely right then we got a round number round three pick. We got eighty two at D'Angelo Malone, linebacker, Western Western Kentucky. Kentucky. Again, he's another one of those guys that yep. I think they drafted just to be kind of like their edge rusher. Oh yeah. Where the Penn State got in the second round, I don't feel like he would be big enough to be able to play that role as edge rusher. But I think that this guy from Western Kentucky, the Malone guy, yeah, he. Well, we, I was say we look at his stats, at least his uh, accomplishments so far. He was Conference USA's Defensive Player of the Year in 2019 and 2021. So, like, he, he's got that reputation already, even though, like, I'm a, I don't fully know if Western Kentucky's a big, big school as far as big time-wise. Like, obviously, you have Georgia, Clemson, that kind of regard. But, like, yeah. clearly he's doing something right if he's getting that kind of production on the defensive end. So, like... My mind's uh, hope is that he'll definitely help out our defensive end, like I said. So I'm, I'm hoping, I'm being wishful for him. Yeah. And then we have Tyler Algalier. Yes. From BYU, that running back. Yeah. Like a, from the fifth round, which I knew nothing about this kid before I, the draft started. I'll be, I'll I say, I'll be right there with you. Mind. I'll be right there with and you. Everything like that. But apparently he led FBS and rushing touchdowns last year. With 23. I was saying, he's kind of a smaller guy, height-wise. He's not a big running back, either. He's 5'10", 224. So, like that, to me, kind of just states just pure muscle at that point. Like, you got small little power back back there going at it. Like, and I, that's also something that on the offensive end we've actually needed for quite a while is a run, yeah. good running back. Like, maybe he can be it. Maybe with some good training, some good – good year or two as far as just picking up in the NFL and whatnot, maybe he could definitely be it. Like, yeah, that's something we definitely needed. It looked like Devontae Freeman was going to be that running back in Atlanta yeah. that was last, and then it looked like Tevin Coleman, and yeah. he wound up leaving. So, like, Falcons just get... But I think running back was like Cordero Patterson. Really yeah. found out last season. 
Yeah. But I still think there's room for this Tyler kid. I mean, you can do what some teams do, and they run that old dual running back situation. Yeah. Like, they have one guy that's for that speed and that quickness just to bust around the outside, and you got one guy that's basically a little bolder that will just push right through you in that whole line. Yeah. And I think he's going to be used for probably some third down and short situations exactly. and stuff like, like that. I think there will definitely be a home for him. We just like the Falcons, but I think biggest thing – has never been players, I think, because I think we've always had that potential just player-wise because there's a lot of different players. Like You have a lot of big names in football, obviously, that most people know. Tom Brady, DeAndre Hopkins, like just for a few that typically come to my mind. Uh, but it also, I think football is a lot more of – I got a smart outwit your player type deal play wise because I want and this is not making football sound dumb but the play scheme anybody to a certain degree can run a route like wide receiver wise to a T right you don't have to be a DeAndre Hopkins Julio Jones type deal to run a route to perfect execution and what that comes to is if the offensive coach knows what the opposing defensive coach is coming out of and formation so if they're running a man like okay let's run this slant route because we know you're faster than or something to that extent. So Falcons have never really had that type of deal where like their coach is like, oh, no, we got it. I don't know what we're doing. This is they're lined up like this. Let's switch it. Let's do this. Easy, wide open. Like, and I think that's where it's got to kind of come into now is we're getting these young guys. If we're tanking a little bit, we're in rebuild mode. Let's try and rebuild some of that coaching, offensive line, like that type of degree to get us to that point. See, I was worried coming into the draft that they were going to buy it on one of those top-end corners, which was we didn't really have a need for it in Atlanta. Yeah, I was say I forget his name. This is me. I uh, get better at my football, but we had uh, who was it? I think I started with a Peterson or something. Our, one of our cornerbacks like led the league and shortest amount of yards gained when he was in coverage. AJ Terrell. Uh, yes, thank you, AJ Terrell. Yeah. Excuse AJ me, AJ Terrell, and then. Which on like, the other side we have Fabian Mora. Yeah, like shows the fact that like our cornerbacks aren't really in the wrong percent. They're making plays, they're doing what they're supposed to. Yeah. It just honestly comes down to like the guys above them. Like they if they don't do as they're asked by their coach, they get benched or whatever. So they gotta still follow that, even if it means maybe giving up a play that they might have known better. Yeah, yeah I mean to part a certain- of that is also not our defensive line not being able to create pressure. That is true. On quarterback. So they have to hold coverage longer, yeah. which if you're a cornerback, you never want to be in that situation. Exactly. But I think we got one more draft pick for the Falcons and but we had Brown. two Georgia guys. Yep. We have Justin Schaefer and John, John Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. We got a tight end and John Fitzpatrick. We got a guard and Justin Schaefer. So we got two Both of our Georgia guys. The University of Georgia, which if you're anything like me, I've seen Facebook flooded with everybody just complaining that they didn't go pretty much all Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And I mean, like, they definitely, like, probably could have to a certain degree because obviously, like, Georgia's UGA's big thing this year was defense, which is ironically what the Falcons need a lot of help with. Yes. Like, I I mean, you know, they could have at least tried maybe a little bit more so. They didn't get the memo, I guess, up at the head head office for the Falcons. But, hey, we got two of our guys out of the 15 that were drafted this year, like we were talking about earlier. So, hopefully that leads to some great production because, you know, they're they're still in that Georgia. If they love Georgia, we're, we're playing at UGA. They'll love playing at the Falcons Stadium, I would think. And then switching gears over to the other topic this weekend, something that we've been covering here 
for the past few weeks is the NBA playoffs. Yes. Which and our Celtics Bucks series finally kicked off. Yep. And we got two games in. One a pop for each of us. Which I think it's still going it's either way. I was saying it could go either way. I think Chris Middleton was missing all that's gonna be a blow to them. And then yeah, I see Marcus, Marcus Smart, Smart yep. got injured yep. a lot. That's gonna even it out yep. a little bit. Yep. Like and it kind of just worked out because if I remember correctly, game one for the Bucks, Bucks more or less took care of business. That wasn't a blowout, to my understanding, but they took yeah. care of business. Like you could tell, Bucks were in control that whole entire game. Yeah. Took care of the Celtics, and most people were like, okay, this is what yeah, that first game. Giannis put up a terrific. I was saying Giannis went, Giannis went crazy, triple double. Exactly, Giannis went crazy. That game. Second game, we come in. Yeah, Giannis was getting comparisons to Kevin Durant from the first round. Giannis still like Giannis still scored pretty well. Shot atrociously. His whole team shot atrociously. Like everybody shot horribly on the that Bucks team. So the fact that they even got as many points as they did is amazing. Yeah. I but with that being said, I'm not gonna take away credit. From the Celtics defense, especially Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they, those two guys, they led the way. I think they both had 30 a pop, if I yeah. correctly, shooting very efficiently. Like I said, not going to take it away from them. They played, I'm assuming Tatum was on Giannis for a good bit of that. If not, I'm sure there was uh, some switching involved, getting their big man involved in Al Horford and whatnot. So, like, great, great series. I feel like it's going to be definitely probably the most or the best series in the East because yeah. that Heat Philadelphia team, like, I saw a picture on Twitter there, or I think it was yesterday, it was talking about how LeBron really carried that side because, like, the East right now in that series, like, those ticket sales were <laughs> just because, yeah. like, there's nobody in those stands right there. And then like, Embiid is out too now. Beat is out, which so, I, I mean, put, that should put this heat right in oh, yeah, right. position to just. I mean, Calorelli was out too. So, like, if you want to argue point wise, I mean, Calorelli easily gets you 20 points, Embiid 20 30. Like, you could argue point wise, production, whatever. Right. But, like, at the same time, like, the reason Embiid's out is 100% Doc Rivers' fault. Like, 100%. They were up oh, by yeah. 30 when that injury happened. Obviously, not a, like, on purpose injury by, I think it was actually. Like, Siakam back in yeah. the Toronto series. It just put him driving to the goal, caught with an elbow. Like, definitely not any scene, like, I want to injure the dude. But definitely, like, if you're Doc Rivers, you're up by 30. It's the fourth quarter. I think there's, like, seven minutes left. Take take your big guy out. Just get him out of there. Put it DeAndre Jordan in. If they come back and make it only a 10-point game, then so be it. But at least they'll win by 10, and your main guy won't be injured. Right. And playoff time, you have to make Exactly. Like, that's decisions. that type of deal. Like, I mean, and that's the East. Like, I think the Heat and the 76ers got a game tonight, game two tonight. Still put, probably going to say the Heat get that game as well. Without a doubt, I want to say, especially if Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, those guys, they do their thing. It's it's going to – I want to say it'll be a sweep because supposedly Joel Embiid might come back for either game three or four. We'll see. But if he doesn't come back till game four – it very well might be a sweep either then still, which would suck because I was hoping that would be a pretty competitive series. But yeah. injuries are part of the game. Yeah, get over it. Um, on the uh, matchup in the West that I wasn't prepared to see it be so good was the Golden State. Uh, series that's going you're, on. You're going to get me going for hours if we keep talking about that because I watched <laughs> that game last night and I watched the first game. Because yeah, I seen the first game where first, Draymond yep, while first was getting game, ejected. Yep. Just first game, a little chippy. First game was a little chippy. 
Draymond got ejected, and I, I, he put out on his on his podcast actually that it was a reputational thing, and I, I to a certain degree agree with that. Like, yeah, he just has that reputation as that kind of hard fouling, dirty player type of guy. But to a certain degree, that's that that's is who he is. Physical and in today's NBA, but you don't see a whole exactly. physicalness. Now, do I think Draymond fully went on to like hurt or do any sort of that he was talked about? Nah, it wasn't a dirty play. There was a wind up, not near as much as in game two, which I'll get on in a second. Yeah. But there was, and I get that. If you're going to hold it as a flagrant wise, take care of it, get it out, eject it. Fine. I do believe they downgraded it after the game to just a flagrant one so that won't come back fully to bite him in the butt yeah. later on in the playoffs. But game one, chippy, playoff basketball, like how it's supposed to be. Not too yeah. bad. Ref missed a few calls on both sides. Game one, how it is. Game two, two however, and Draymond we're gonna be an elbow. Yeah, as I say, first quarter alone, we're five minutes in. We have two Warriors players injured and out of the first quarter. Yeah, Gary Payton the second, love that guy, love him to death. Worked his butt off to get where he's at to get that contract. He got hard fouled by Dylan Brooks, and I'm gonna go out and say it was a dirty, dirty play, straight up dirty. As the NBA, you're in that NBA. I don't want to say you give up points, but you give up points in that situation. If you can't make a foul to where you can catch him at least, you give up the two points. Right. Like you just straight up let it happen, especially if you're a bigger guy than him. You don't wind up and basically karate chop him on the head with your elbow and then and subsequently making him hard fall onto his arm and into the sand and then wound up fracturing his elbow. You just, you don't yeah. do that. Like that's a straight up dirty play, no matter how you look at it. Now, ironically, and I saw this on Twitter as well, to where if like it was Draymond that did that crap, he would have been suspended for two games. Would have been, and it, he probably would have been actually too, because it's just that reputation. Yeah. It just is what it is. Like it wanted, and everybody would be like, oh, it's a dirty play, a dirty play, a dirty play. And like, same as actually, if you're going to have that, keep that same, keep that same status quo. Right. Like, I'm not, I, I know Brandon Clark's a young guy. He's only been in league, I think, for one or two seasons. Not, not a, so there's not much to go off of in that regard, but I also know he does play aggressive. Like, I have watched Lisa a little bit. He plays very aggressive, and that's fine. I'm not saying that's a problem. But in that given situation, at least, you don't do that. Because that guy, like I was just saying, worked his butt off to get here. And you very well potentially could have just ended his career. Yeah. Like, straight up, you very well could have just ended it. And on that, like, that's – and that's just – that would just, that set the status quo for how that game turned out. Like, and then a few minutes after the Gary Payton situation, Grandma Green gets over to the face. Yeah. Gets stitches. Now, you look at it, you can tell – I forget who it was. I think it was Tillman. Xavier Tillman who went after a loose ball. So loose balls are always a kind of dangerous situation because everybody's scourging for the ball. They want that ball, especially playoff-wise. Right. But you can kind of tell with a certain camera angle, he looks and sees that Draymond's on him. You can tell Draymond's right there, probably about to go for that jump ball situation and get wrapped up in it. And you just boom to it gets his elbow in the face. Like I'm not I, that one. I don't know enough to say it was intentional or not, but I can definitely tell he wanted Draymond off him. Yeah. So I don't know if it meant out. I at first I thought Draymond flopped a little bit because that's how it looks. So I'll even say that on him because like the his Draymond's reaction to the hit took a second. So I was like, okay, it's a flop. And then he stayed down. I see the blood. I see the stitches. I see the bruising. I'm like, oh no, that wasn't a flop. That was straight up. He got hit. Yeah. It just took him a minute. It, it took him a second. 
So I'm like, and that, and then from that first quarter, it just set up the stage. I'm like, good God, these guys are going to kill each other. Like yeah. the Grizzlies are playing. I, it's playoff basketball. I get it. It's supposed to be rough. I'm not saying it's not. I love that. I love that competitive crap. Right. But like, you're not trying to injure the other guys on the second right. team. And like, it reminds me of like a series in baseball that you have going on. Where in like the first game there was a pitcher who accidentally let a curveball go too far inside or a yeah. slider go too far inside and accidentally hit a guy. And you come out that second game, that first at bat that happens for the oh, other team. Like, they just straight up throw a fastball and beam them oh, yeah. in the leg with it. Like I was gonna relate it to like street ball. Because like I played <laughs> some pretty crazy street ball in my in my time. That that gets competitive too, and there there have been hands thrown sometimes that we're up in each other's faces. But like you're not playing street ball. You're playing professional basketball. You're on a NBA court. You're getting paid millions of dollars. Like have that professionality and have that respect. Like and that just set the status quo. Like there was so much unblatant. Like I think it was I forget the player. I think it was uh, who's the shooting guard? Desmond Desmond Bain. I think it was. Yeah. One up for a rebound. Well, a late rebound actually. After Steph Curry got the rebound off a shot by I think it was John Moran or something. Steph Curry went out, got the rebound, came down with the two hands. Desmond Bain, out of nowhere, also jumped up, basically grabbed Steph Curry in the face with both hands and kind of like pulled down to try and get the ball. Got all face, no ball, just all face. And I was in the second quarter. I'm like, good God, you got to injure these guys. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I get the competitiveness. I'm not saying that. That's fine. But, like, don't go after the face. Like, And then there was another situation where Andrew Wiggins got caught in the face by a big – for the guy going after a loose ball, is just straight up pushed off Andrew uh, Wiggins' face. I'm like, good God, this Grizzlies team, like, I, I don't want to say they're all a, playing dirty, but a lot of them are playing dirty. Yeah, that's going to be a hard fought series like, over there. In the oh, West. yeah. Like, and originally, I had thought that the Suns were going to be the biggest threat to the Warriors. Yeah, but it seems like. But, but it seems like they're going to have to get over this, this Grizzlies, physicalness like, of the Grizzlies like, team. I get it. It's playoff. Like, and the Warriors, I feel like, can deal with it because, ironically, the only reason the Grizzlies even had that game was just our players weren't making shots. Yeah. But you can't expect that for four games. Oh, yeah. Like, that's you cannot not expect that. Come out. I don't think they'll come out in game three and play at – Exactly. Like, they, they know they that, did. I feel – I think the Grizzlies are still going to play their cheapness because that's why I kind of call it to a certain – I feel like that's going to be them because that's how they know they have to play in order to get a win because that's yeah. how they got that win. I don't, but I don't see, however, the Warriors not making the right adjustments via Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, Wiggins, the whole shebang. Yeah. And I definitely don't expect Clay Thompson to come out and shoot like five for 20. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't expect that same Clay. Now, I'm not saying he's going to, that it's all Clay Thompson's fault because he's the type of guy he's going to shoot himself out of a slot, but he also wound up shooting his team out of the game to a certain degree. It's not all on him. So, like, it just happened. He just wasn't hitting shots, but that's how he is. To a certain degree, Steve Kerr's got to acknowledge that and try and either get him more open looks or take it to where Clay Thompson's like, hey, I need to pass more, do this. Because I know one that kind of comes to mind was the exact same play where they give to Clay Thompson on three-point line. He runs to the goal, does a fadeaway towards baseline. Exact same play, twice in a row, bricks off the outside rim. And I'm like, this is exactly, if it didn't work the first time, what makes you think it's going to work? It's the exact same shot. Yeah. Same defender, didn't work. 
that's also not typically your go-to shot anyway. Not saying you can't make it, you just not your typical. Right. But like that 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 series I'm gonna keep watching, like definitely, because I think Warriors still have it. I still think they'll win the series. I'm not gonna say it's like a hundred series. I think it'll go longer than originally thought. Yes. I was putting it at five to six games, it might go six to seven games now, depending on how these next two home games go for the Warriors. If the Grizzlies get a home game and it's left at two to two, it very well could go seven <laughs> games. I don't want it to, because that just leaves more chance for an injury to like Steph Curry or someone else, but right. It very well might. And if we like go over to that Suns Maverick series, hoy. That, I think a, I think the Suns are gonna want to win in that one in five. Uh I'll probably agree with you on that one. And like it's more so just the Mavericks just don't have the star power that the Suns do. Like yeah. And they don't. Like, the Suns have defense all around. They can guard one through five because Chris Paul is not a bad defender. Devin Booker's not the best, but he can still usually keep up. You have McCall Bridges, who was up there in defensive player of the year voting. You have DeAndre Ayton, who covers the paint very well. And you have Jay Crowder, once again, three and D type guy. Like, their starting can all guard. Grizz- or, excuse me, not the Grizzlies. The Mavericks just, they don't have that luxury. And then for the most part, they're a kind of younger team as well. Luka Doncic is still pretty young, but they need that other star power, whether it be offensively and or defensively to kind of get them to like, okay, we can compete with the Suns, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, or whatever to that extent. Right. So, but that that series, I say, I definitely am probably with you, five games. I think I'll give the Mavericks one game at least, just because of Luka Magic. But that's, I don't see it going more than that unless a player on the Suns like Devin Booker's out, Chris Paul's out, something like that happens. Yeah. But like in, in the East, I was really wanting to see at the beginning of the playoffs the 76ers and the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Which I don't under the 76ers aren't going to make it that far. It's not looking like it without Embiid. So we're going to get more than likely he. And then I, I'm not even sure the Celtics. As I say, that's the most like coin flip series yeah, I've the seen. Most, like I said, the most coin flip series right now in the playoffs, even between the West and the East, would probably be that Celtics versus Bucks because it really could just go either way. Yeah. Because I, I don't know of a team right now in the playoffs that's more evenly matched up, just, just in general, than those two teams. Because they're both young teams. Now, I think they both have about the same amount of playoff experience. They both have that all-star, superstar level player. They have those role players. They got those all-star players to go along with their superstar players, something like that. It, it could easily go either way, and I think personally, whichever way it goes, I'll be happy. Yeah. Like, to be completely honest, I'll be happy regardless. That's what be happy to be able to watch that series. Exactly. Oh. Like, matter of fact, that's a game I'll be watching, I believe it's Thursday is their next game, I think. Yes, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night? Yes, yeah. I'll be watching that game. Uh, I got the last end of it uh, last night. I'll definitely be watching that game because that series is going to be great. I already, I'm looking forward to that series. And then I think in the West, we're both in agreement of the Suns. The Suns probably coming out of the Warriors. It's going to be a hard fight, but I still yeah, It's going to be a hard follow but I think they'll wind up winning it. Oh, yeah. Like, that, that Warriors-Grizzly game, the thing is, like, with me, at least as a Warriors fan, been that way since – well, before they're even first championship run back 2015, 
It's like this series in particular, more so than in recent memories, they're 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 fighting their opposing team, but they're also fighting those refs. Like those refs are got it out for them in both games. It's we'll just see how it goes in game three. Yeah. But it's crazy. All right. Is there anything you want to add? Uh well, since it's the end of semester, and I don't know how many people are listening, but I hope you all have great on your finals. Hope you all do well. I'll be back, I'm sure. And we'll see how these playoffs turn out. See if we're right in our predictions. All right, we'll see you guys next fall. Yes, sir.